Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Lord's Day or the Day of the Lord. And so, what was happening here? is that John was somehow mystically, somehow spiritually taking, taken to, he was like translated in a sense. Uh, he was still physically there, but whether in a trance or in a dream or something, he was taken to the time of the end um, that hasn't even occurred yet. He was, put, he was placed in time in a sense to view those things and to share them with us because God wanted to make sure that we knew what was coming. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. To be in the Spirit seems to have more meaning than simply saying John walked in the Spirit, as opposed to being in the flesh, in the sense Paul meant in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The idea isn't simply that John was walking in the Spirit, but that he received unique revelation from the Holy Spirit. This was a unique spiritual experience for John, what some might call an out-of-body experience, but a supernatural experience under the direction of God himself. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in the book of Revelation. In the world, notice, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Because it's important that you... Take everything that we read in the Word of God, put it in the bank. It's as sure, it's even more sure than the bank because in the 1930s there was a run on the bank and the money wasn't there. So this is even more sure than anything you could put in the bank. This is more sure than anything that you have. Rest your soul and your entire life upon the Word of God. You can do that and there's nothing wrong with that. This word tribulation literally means anguish or pressure or distress or being in a strait. Jesus said those things are going to happen. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer those things. You're going to go through tribulations and even persecutions. But what we're going through right now is not a persecution. It's a tribulation. It's just a small little blip on the screen. And imagine what it's going to be like when the church is removed and all hell breaks loose on the earth during the great tribulation. All these things are going to be compounded upon one another and People are going to be losing their minds. It's going to be exponentially much, 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 much worse than anything we're seeing right now. Go to Wegmans at 7 o'clock in the morning and see the pandemonium. And, and imagine in the tribulation, that's going to be there and it's going to be even worse. And people are going to be fighting with guns and knives over supplies. And folks, aren't you glad you're not going to be here for that? And that is the thing, that's the reason why we are encouraged to share 
with people because you don't want your family, you don't want a friend, you don't want a, uh, a companion, anybody that you know to go through that. You don't even want your worst enemy, if you have a worst enemy, to go through something like that. So the early church was going through this tribulation for sure. Uh, not the great tribulation, but they were going through tribulation. But we are not going through tri- or persecution, but certainly tribulation. So notice he also says, in the, I'm your brother and, and companion in, in tribulation and kingdom. And see, if you're a child of God, and hopefully you know this, if you're a child of God and you're born again, you are part of the kingdom of Christ. There is no other way to be a part of it from the shed, apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You can't buy it. You can't sign up for it. It is something that you are born into. It's something you're born into. I remember some people uh, having a lady come up to me one time. She came to the church and she said, I'd like to become a member of the church. And she says, what do I have to do? Do I have to sign something? Do I have to show my W-2? And I looked at her and I'm like, your W-2? And she goes, yeah. Uh, In some churches you have to show your W-2 so that you know how much to tithe. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, we're not about that at all. I said, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? You're part of the church. And if you stay here, praise the Lord. If you go somewhere else, guess what? You're still part of the church. And so, um, but you can't buy it. You can't buy getting into the church. You're born into it. You're born into it as a child of God. Verse 9 also says, I'm your brother and companion in the patience of Jesus Christ. The word patience speaks of endurance and continuing and being steadfast even through the greatest trials and sufferings. It's fortitude is really what it is. And and that's something that we're going through right now. We need that fortitude, that, that endurance that peace to go forward in the in spite of these difficulties in our life. And notice what he says. He goes on in verse 9 and he says, John says, I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and secondly for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John, he was being persecuted, as we said before, the things that happened to him because of his faithfulness to Jesus. His faithfulness to Jesus, that's why he was there. And for sharing the testimony, the things that Jesus spoke while he was yet alive on the earth, those things that were being spoken and those things that John was sharing with the church at that time, that's why he was on the island of Patmos. And so he was being persecuted in the the strongest sense. And so there he is on the Isle of Patmos. And you know, there are there may be a time, and perhaps you already have had persecutions in your life as a believer. Notice persecutions, to differentiate it from tribulation. You may be in persecuted. Maybe you've been persecuted. Maybe you're going through persecution right now. Maybe you're being passed up for a promotion, even though you work harder than anybody else. You know, maybe you get a pathetic smile or grin from those who you try to share with. That's a very light persecution, but it is nonetheless. You know, I've gotten a look. I have these shirts that Steve Spazano has given to me, and they have like Jesus is God on them, and or Jesus is alive, or something along those lines. And um, I always find out who the Christians are in Wegmans because they always come up and they say, oh, that's a great shirt. I like that. I wish I could wear one like that. And I'm like, well, you can. You know, and so that, that encourages people. But don't be afraid. That's very minor persecution when I get the snarls from people, when they look at me and they just kind of dismiss me. Or maybe you're being marginalized in your family uh, because of your faith. These are all light persecutions. But notice that John was a prisoner. He wasn't a prisoner of Rome. 
Even though he was a prisoner of Rome, he was really a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul even said that about himself. He said in, um, in Philemon 1 verse 9, he says that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I would rather be a prisoner of Jesus, meaning I'm in prison, I'm, in, I'm going through persecution because of my faith in Christ. I'd rather be a prisoner of him than of New York State. I'd rather be a prisoner of Jesus than a prisoner of Rome. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, you might just want to write that down. Let me read it to you. Peter says, For what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults? You, you shall take it patiently. But if you, when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. In other words, if you've done something wrong, you deserve to be... You deserve the punishment. But if you're doing the will of God and serving Him and you're suffering persecution as a result, God is well pleased with this. He's not pleased that you're going through the hardship, but He knows that that's just part of it. Jesus was our forerunner. He was the example. He did all those things. And yet, what did the world do to Him? They crucified Him. The Romans, they are the ones who nailed Him on the cross. And the Jews, they cried out for His blood. So everyone was involved in this thing. We were all complicit in His murder on the cross the Jews and the Gentiles. In 1 Peter 3, verses 14, it says, But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, and that's exactly what John is saying here. He was a, uh, a brother and companion in the, tribu- in, in the suffering, I'm sorry, in the, um, of Christ and in patience. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But he says, If you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify, notice, set apart the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation or your, your good lifestyle in Christ. And that's a wake-up call for us, isn't it? Because one of the things... Uh, the church is, um, we need to wake up. Uh, the church to- in totality in our country, we need to come alive again. We need to be revived. We need revival in the church. We need to be revived. And, and the only way that that can happen sometimes is, is by us getting on our face. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people right now that are starting to, the, the crucible is, is tightening, isn't it? And people are feeling it. And this is not a time for us to, to be locked away. I mean, we have to be locked away in our house for some you know, reason because of health issues. But you can reach out, call somebody, and talk to people. Talk to your family members and, and talk to them and say, you know what, everything's going to be okay. This is not the end. But the end is coming, and what are you, how are you going to respond to that? That's, that's a good catalyst to start the conversation. Everything that's happening right now is a good catalyst for the conversation to bring people to Christ. Bring them to Christ. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about their sin. Tell them about His uh, paying the price for that sin and the hope of eternal life, which can only be found in Jesus. Let's go back to verse 10. Notice, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. The Scripture nowhere calls, nowhere in the Scripture does it call Sunday the Lord's Day. Okay, The Lord's Day and the Day of the Lord, they are essentially the same thing. You see it in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament, but nowhere does it say that the Lord's Day is Sunday in the Scripture. We may think of it as the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday, but the Bible doesn't call it that. But when it says 
When he, when he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, John is not saying that it was Sunday when this occurred. In fact, the day of the Lord or the Lord's day is really an extended period of time beginning with God's dealing with Israel and the world after the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation extending all the way through to the, through the millennial age and even into uh, and after the millennium. That is called the day of the Lord. And most of it is judgment, but there's also wonderful times of restoration. But that whole period after the rapture and afterward is really considered the Lord's day or the day of the Lord. And so what was happening here is that John was somehow mystically, somehow spiritually taking, taken to, he was like translated in a sense. Uh, he was still physically there, but whether in a trance or in a dream or something, he was taken to the time of the end. Um, that hasn't even occurred yet. He was put. He was placed in time, in a sense, to view those things and to share them with us because God wanted to make sure that we knew what was coming because it not only settles our heart, doesn't it, but it also gives us the ability to share those things with other people. And now is the time to be sharing, folks, because everyone around us, again, is nervous. And some people, and, he, and, and there's even some post-tribulationists out there who say that we're going through the tribulation right now, the great tribulation. That's nonsense. Uh, because the Bible says the church has to be removed for that. And besides, the Antichrist has not raised his head yet, and um, Jesus hasn't taken us out yet. But no Christian writings, listen to this, no Christian writings a hundred years after Christ ever called Sunday the Lord's Day. So this is not about Sunday. This is the Lord's Day is a time an extended time in the future that, uh, that commences when the rapture of the church occurs all the way to the end of what we read in the Bible. That is the Lord's day. And so John was transported there. And notice that he was transported there, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And there would be no mistaking John hearing the voice of Jesus. This, this voice, when you think of a trumpet, it heralds something, doesn't it? And, and it, it's loud and it's very clear. It has a distinction about it. And so this message was very clear to John. And this is encouraging because when the Lord wants to speak to us, He can and will, and there will be no denying that it is from Him. I've experienced that in my own life. And, 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 and be encouraged, you know, uh, the Lord is able to speak to you. If you're thinking, well, I'm too dull of hearing, well, that may be true, because uh, that's true of my own self at times. But remember that God is able, if you really want His will done in your life and you cry out to Him, He is able to speak to you at any time. He is not limited by anything, and He can speak to you, and you will know it. You will know it. I've had it happen to me, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was him, and I acted upon it. And that's as simple as it gets. He is able to break through all of your confusion. He's able to break through all of the clouds that are in your head. He's able to break through even your unbelief at times. If you're feeling like, you know, Lord, I just don't, uh, I just don't feel like I'm really, you know, uh, um, I'm not up to snuff. Um, I'm not walking the way I should. Well, that may be true, but that doesn't hinder him in being able to speak to you when the time is right. So be encouraged in that. But the sound of a trumpet is a sound of gravity, and it's a sound that causes you to come to attention, isn't it? It's like when Moses, uh, when the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, what preceded that, uh, that talk of, of the giving of the commandments? A long sound of a trumpet. It was a call to attention. And, um, and so we need to pay attention. And just like John, the Lord got his attention. And notice what he says in verse 11. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Notice, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And he lists them, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Notice, he writes to John and tells him, write what you see. And what is the first thing that John sees? It's Jesus. He is the focal point of what we're going to see. And, and what we saw. Because um, in verse, um, let's see here. We're going to get to that in verse 12, actually. We're going to find out what he did see because it's coming. But the first thing he does see is he, he, Jesus is the focal point. And we need, again, more than ever to see Jesus now more than ever because hearts are, are getting scared, hearts are getting faint. And now more than ever, folks, the church, we need to really dig in to the Word of God, we need to really dig in and dig deep and say, Lord, where am I at with you? And sometimes things like what we're going through kind of sift us, don't they? They, they? they help us to understand really where our faith really is. And it's true for all of us. You know, there's no need to be ashamed about anything because some people are frazzled, some people are cool as a cucumber, and uh, everything in between. And so, um, but take stock of where you're at and say, Lord, I want to go deeper with you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to go into you, right? What does the Bible say? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? They're safe. They're safe. The righteous run into it. So let's run into Jesus. And how do you do that? You get into prayer. You get into the word of God. And you close your eyes and you, you, you meditate on Jesus Christ. Not transcendental meditation. You meditate on His Word. You meditate on Him. You think about Him. You single every, You push everything aside. Please do that in the days coming. You need to do that. I need to do that. Verse 11, he says, So he tells, uh, these are the seven churches. And we know that they're, they're, he's speaking to and we'll get to this in chapters 2 and 3, he's speaking to seven literal churches that existed in the first century at that time, and he lists them there. And the neat thing about these churches is they all really demonstrate the different things in the church, all the different uh, uh, emotions and problems and struggles and issues that you'd find in church history uh, from the very beginning of the birth of the church in Jerusalem all the way up to the current time. These seven churches all exemplify all the things that we see today and all the things that we have seen. So they're really representative of the church age. And we can identify ourselves with one of these churches when we get to it. But notice he says, Then I turned to see, verse 12, the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And he defines who these lampstands are in the very last couple of verses in in, in verse 20 of, of this chapter. But the, the lampstands are representative of the churches. And notice, he says, I saw the seven golden lampstands. And see, we are to be, when you think of a lampstand, it really holds light, doesn't it? And we are to be the light bearers. We are not the light, but we are to magnify or to be a reflection of the light of Christ. If you think of the moon, this is a really great illustration, at least I think it is. Uh, the sun, what does it do? When we look up at night and we see the moon, the moon is bright because it's reflecting light onto the moon. The sun is reflecting on the moon, and the moon is showing its light down to the earth. And the moon is like what we are supposed to be. We are to be the ones that are, we're not the light, but we're reflecting the light of Christ onto others. And see, that's where we are supposed to be. In Philippians, 
uh, Paul encourages them. He says, he says, Be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And see, that's what we are to be. Jesus told his disciples, I am the light of the world. But then he said to them, Now you are the light of the world. You go and you share those things. And in fact, in Matthew 5, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they take a light and a light, uh, or do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. And why? So that it gives light to all who are those, all who are in the house. And here's the the, 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 the exhortation to us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what are they going to do? Are they going to glorify you? No, they're going to glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we are to be that light. So the lamp stands that just speaks of the church. And who's in the midst of it? Notice verse 13. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, that's none other than Jesus Christ. In Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 13, it says, in that passage, it says, I was watching, Daniel said, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So this is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And when it speaks of his uh, robe, it speaks of, uh, of dignity and honor, like you would see in a king. So Jesus here is acting as a priest, uh, um, he, as he intercedes for us, as he said he would do. He, he acts on uh, behalf as a priest, and certainly he himself was our sacrifice. And so he was the, the Passover lamb as he gave himself on the cross. So he was, uh, in a sense, the... Um, he was the payment for our sin. He was the priest. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews that he's our high priest. And he's also the son of man. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the very first verse. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and what? And the train of his robe filled the temple. And here is the, the, a vision of the King of kings, the Lord of lords filling the, 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 the throne room with his, with his robe. What an amazing picture it is, right? And then finally in verse 14 we get into it and he says, Notice his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Flame of fire. You know, in Proverbs 16, verse 31, it says, The, silver, the silver-haired man, or I'm sorry, the silver-headed man, Actually, I, I, I got to start that over again. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory, and it is found in the way of righteousness. And white hair, obviously, it speaks of fatherhood. It speaks of dignity. It speaks of wisdom that Jesus obviously is full of. And his eyes, as a flame of fire, it speaks of purity. I mean, think of this. Uh, many of you guys have, if you're on the on the um, on the work site and you have at night, maybe you have these one million candle power lights that you plug up to your car or you hook up to a generator, and it's like a million candle power. And and you think about the the the, the gaze of Christ. His his eyes are like a flame of fire, and it speaks of purity. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but I look around in the world and I see just the 
the debauchery, the sin. I look within my own heart and I can see such darkness at times. And I'm like, Lord, like Paul, who will deliver me from this body of death? And Jesus does. He has and he will and he'll continue, right? I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.